If you are enjoying this podcast, why not try Baker Street 2033 by the same author, a metaphysical mystery involving Sherlock Holmes, virtual reality, and fictional objects. Available on Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon Music. I knocked on the door. Scheiße, gehen Sie weg. Ich bin beschäftig. Professor Gottwitzer, Snix, from Cambridge. We need a talk. He gave a pained expression and I heard him approaching the door. When he opened it, he found a revolver pointing in his face. He didn't look phased. Well, hurry up if you're coming in. You're letting all the warmth out. I crossed the threshold and he closed the door after me. I kept my pistol trained on him. You might want to lock that, I said, and draw the curtains too. Why, there's no one else for miles around. Tell that to the dead Norwegian I left in the canoe. He went pale then. God, you're a difficult man to track down, Mr. Godwit. How about you fix us a drink? It's going to be a long night. Just a tourist, eh? And do you have family in Skjolden, Massachusetts, too? Touche. I have only tea, said Godwit, heading towards what passed for a kitchen. That'll do. I got my own firewater for later, I said, patting my jacket pocket. Godwit put the tin kettle on the stove. I took a seat in the only chair that looked welcoming. It was at the table by the fire where his papers lay in careful disarray. As my damp feet started the slow process of drying off, I watched him get busy with his tea-making ritual. No funny business now. I know you was in the army and a handy with a heater. He ignored this. I watched him. He didn't seem faced at all, not by me nor by my convincer. I had to admit, he was one cold-blooded son of a bitch. It explained the medal for bravery. He was staring death in the face and the cups didn't clink once on the saucers as he brought them over to where I was sat by the fire. It was like he was ready to die. He sat opposite me and we waited in silence, eyeing one another grimly until the cattle spoiled our staring contest by whistling on the stove. He came back, filled a pot with hot water and studied the steam rising from its spout. I'm not the only one out there, I said. I wanted to try and rattle him. I heard the shots. I thought it must be hunters. There are plenty at this time of year. These hunters have a nasty habit of finding men in their line of fire. Godwin shuddered. I don't think it's me they're after. You think they're after me? Dead bodies seem to like you, Godwin. Everywhere you go, they turn up. The philosopher, his gaze firmly fixed on the teapot, seemed to wince a little. To buy himself time, he poured out the tea. Sugar? he asked. Two lumps. I suppose you want to know about the duck rabbit. You suppose right. Where'd you get it? Jastro. Stolen? 
Borrowed, you might say. How much is it worth? Not much, I expect. A few hundred. Its value to me is purely symbolic. Symbols? What the hell did I know about symbols? This was getting too damn smart for me. I don't believe you. It has to be worth something. Where is it? I jerked the gun at him. I was tired, hungry, and my feet were still wet through. I was done playing games. He went and fetched it and put it on the table between us. There it was again, the same old mystery. Two animals, one form. The problem of seeing as Mr. Nix haunts me just now. It stays the same, yet the mind sees it as one thing or the other, never both together. I picked it up. It was heavy for porcelain, but not solid stone as it looked. Clever, that. It wasn't smooth either, but sort of rumpled all over. Some artisan's rules to mimic feathers and fur. I turned it around in my hands, shook it. There was more than just dust rattling around inside. I turned it over to look at the base. A narrow slit just wide enough to slip in folded up paper, like dollar bills. Not much value, eh? I said. I held it up ready to smash it on the stone floor. Expecting protestations, I got none from Godwit. He just sat there looking quaint. He'd been in Cambridge too long. Funny, I didn't have you down as a God-fearing type. For a truly religious man, nothing is tragic. You should have been a priest. You certainly talk like one. He looked at me queerly. The older I grow, the more I realize how terribly difficult it is for people to understand each other. And I think that what misleads one is the fact they all look so much like each other. If some people look like elephants, and others like cats or fish, one wouldn't expect them to understand each other and things would be much more like what they really are. What's with this menagerie, Godwit? Elephants, cats, fish, are you out of your mind? Don't, for heaven's sake, be afraid of talking nonsense. Only don't fail to pay attention to your nonsense. They were right, all of them. You are nuts. You belong in Panhurst, pal, with all the other loonies. To hell with it all. I smashed the false idol on the floor. The duck rabbit was a thousand other things now. In amongst the fragments, there was a folded up piece of paper vindicating the violence. I looked over at Godwit. Although his face was gaunt, Death-stricken, you might say, like a cancer sufferer, it seemed calm. Too calm. It was as if whatever was on those papers couldn't touch him now, and neither could whoever was hunting him beyond that locked door. I picked up the note and began unfolding it. Confessions? Before you read that, you should know one thing. I'm all ears, Godwit. Nothing is so difficult as not deceiving oneself. A shotgun blast sent wood splintering into the room. The lock was on the floor. I pointed my gun at the door. A chilly blast swept in and blew some of the candles out. I reached for my lighter and flicked on the flame. The note was still in my hand. I heard a gun being cocked and steady footsteps coming towards us. I was torn between the folded up note and the intruder. I had to know both, but there was no time. No time to know what to do. I brought the flame close to the note paper. Jordan Schwein! screamed out in the dark. Whatever you do, do not intervene, said Godwit, pushing the barrel of my pistol down. 
He stood up and turned to face his aggressor. It was hard to see in the flame-lit room, but it looked like he was smiling. Smiling, goddammit. The incessant footsteps finally stopped. Whoever it was was keeping their face in the shadows. All I could see was two barrels of a shotgun. Jordan Scheisser! Godwit, the crazy fool, suddenly made as if to shoot with a gun made out of a thumb and two fingers. A shot went off instantly. Godwit crumpled in a heap on the floor in front of me. The intruder cocked the shotgun anew. Good work, Mr. Nix. You would be rewarded handsomely for this. It was the dame with the plums in her mouth. Would be? Was that a slip of the tongue or a mistranslation? Either way, it made me nervous. She looked at the note. What does it say? I looked at the scroll. It was a single sentence. It says, Tell them I've had a wonderful life. What is its meaning? She yelled. She was livid. Her hands gripped the shotgun. She began pacing up and down. How? How could his filthy Kleiner Judenschwein life be wunderbar? Those plums had turned sour, and there was real poison in her voice. I must have been feeling hysterical with all the death and adrenaline because I could feel a smile creeping over my lips at the worst possible moment. I did my best to hide it. It means... It means he was right. Right? About what? About the dark rabbit. I fired my pistol into the place where a heart should have been. It's all a matter of aspect, bitch. I didn't hang around long after that. Just long enough to search a body and find the means of getting my money. Dirty money for sure, but I figured a fee's a fee. Plus, hadn't I balanced out the scales of justice by killing my client? A first for me. Once the dough came through, I headed back to the States. The first thing I did was to hang up a gun fishing sign on my office. Although I had enough to retire now, I knew I'd get antsy pretty quick. It was time to take something else up. I was thinking of trying my hand at spinning a yarn. I reckoned I had enough juice to keep Street and Smith in stories for years. End notes. Scheisse Gehensiveg ich bin beschäftig. Shit, go away, I'm busy. Heater is noir slang for a gun. Convincer is also noir slang for a gun. Wittgenstein returns us to the notion of Gestalt at the end, an idea which the philosopher has applied to his life, enabling him to make that final utterance. Of course, his genius is such that a pleasing ambiguity remains. Has he deceived himself in choosing to see his life as a lucky rabbit and not a lame duck? In his brave submission to death, there are overtones of a journal entry from 1946. A hero looks death in the face, real death, not just the image of death. Behaving honourably in a crisis doesn't mean being able to act the part of a hero well, as in the theatre, it means being able to look death itself in the eye. For an actor may play lots of different roles, but at the end of it all, he himself, the human being, is the one who has to die. The Nazi theme, hinted at previously, becomes ramified in the Judenschwein insult. It could result from the guilt Wittgenstein may have felt in avoiding the humiliating escape his sister had to make at the hands of the fascists in Austria. 
It is surely linked to the confession regarding his willful occlusion of his Jewish ancestry, something that becomes ironic if Monk is correct and he is mistaken about these roots. His detective Nix returns to the States with his tainted loot from his work, a classic noir touch, hangs up his gumshoes and perhaps, inspired by the copies of Street and Smith he has taken from Godwit's room, ponders turning his own experiences into stories for the same magazine. It is a distinctly satisfying conclusion. Despite Murgatroyd's voluble protestations to the contrary, Wittgenstein's implicit love of the noir genre did find an explicit avenue for philosophical inquiry, as this extraordinary trove of documents amply demonstrates. It is my sincere hope that this book will serve as a vede mecum for future generations of academics, enabling them to revisit the Wittgenstein archive in search of earlier instances of the philosophy of detection that he clearly practised. Dear Old Blood, Notes on a Wittgenstein Noir will return in Episode 9, Herbert Denk's Afterword and the first part of Horace Murgatroyd's Critical Commentary. If you have enjoyed this podcast, you might like to consider others by the same writer and producer, such as Baker Street 2033 and Modern Gothic. All are available from the usual podcast outlets. You could also consider supporting the writer at buymeacoffee.com slash Neil Fitzgerald.